Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, a great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> <laughs> Babble Bullshit and Beyond is a new podcast hosted by me, Marco Kiris, conversing about my cage wage whirlwind ways and my perspective of the film biz during those days. A fun, fluff-filled funk with guests relating to all things film biz. On today's podcast, we've got Kelly Morris, best known as a documentary editor for Canadian film and television and president of CCE, Canada's national association dedicated to excellence in the craft of editing. We discuss the ins and outs of post-production and Kelly's visionary process through his career of over 25 years. Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's, um, it's my pleasure, Marco. Uh, glad, to, glad to be here and thanks for the invite. Oh my God, no, thank you. You look good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, not bad for 51. Yeah, yeah, no, you look great for 51. <laughs> you know, you white people usually don't age so well, but you're aging really <laughs> well, I must say. Yeah, 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 thanks. Let me ask you, so Kelly, you are in Vancouver now. Uh, you've been here for years, right? Uh, that's correct. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm from Vancouver originally, yeah. so uh, when we met, I was living in Toronto, but uh, it's been about 10 years now that I've, I've been back out on the West Coast. How do you feel about uh, being back home and working from home? Uh, you know, Vancouver is Vancouver's a, a really great place to live mm-hmm. and a, a really great place to work. And, um, you know, the, the film community here is is really good. And uh, it's a little bit tighter than Toronto. It's it's mm-hmm. smaller. It's a smaller scene than, than Toronto's scene. So, you know, your work in the film biz really depends on the what connections you get. And we, we really have to hustle out here, too. Uh, oh. So I think as a result of that, you got a lot of really talented people. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know if you're asking me about lifestyle, you're talking about the film biz. Yeah, um, more. Well, lifestyle as well as the film biz. I always thought the film biz was uh, yeah. more active uh, in Vancouver than it was here, but maybe I'm wrong. I know the lifestyle is a lot nicer. There's a lot of hiking and the weather's so much nicer there. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, you know, I came out to Vancouver uh, just to do a contract and I really had no intention of, of staying here. I, I really loved living in Toronto, but on my first weekend, I, I went up to Whistler with one of my workmates just to, to do a little skiing. And we we're sitting down at the bottom of the hill afterwards. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm staying here. It's, uh, it really is nice. I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful city. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you, you know, you have a, a great job out here, this is the place to be. You know, you're Saturday morning, mm-hmm. 7 a.m., uh, just hop in your car and you're, you're half an hour, you're out of the city and in the most beautiful places up in the mountains, you know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a nice place to live for that. Yes. That's, hence the real estate market is the, is the most expensive in the country. Yeah. And rightfully so because of that yeah. mountains and ocean and better weather. It's, it's nice. People are nice, yeah. very <clears throat> pleasant ambiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, I want to ask you something. Um, you are the president of the Canadian Cinema Editors. That's correct, yeah. Uh, how did all that come about? How does that work? Yeah, you know, I was, um, you know, I was, I was out here working, I, I guess it was about five or so years ago. I was, uh, I was just, you know, I was working and I was, I was kind of missing my Toronto connections. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of organization that kind of connected editors across the country? And uh, mm-hmm. and I thought about, you know, the States and about ACE, American Cinema Editors. And I, I just thought, well, I wonder if there's a Canadian version of that. And mm-hmm. I did a, just a, did a Google search and uh, Canadian Cinema Editors popped up. 
And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Wow. You know, I wonder what I'd like to be a part of that. You know, I read a bit about it and, um, you know, I, I noticed that they had a, a pretty strong member base in, in Toronto. And I think the organization mm. was only about four, four, maybe five years old at the time. And they had a, a, a pretty big group of people here too. So yeah, you know, I, I joined and then, um, they were, they were holding elections for their board of directors. So I, I, you know, I ran, ran for secretary and I was, I was secretary for two years. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did, uh, two years as secretary. And, uh, during that time I, I got really, I was very enthusiastic about setting up some programming here in Vancouver, um, mm-hmm. getting some Q and A's going with editors and, uh, setting up a workshop series, uh, mm-hmm. where, where our members would teach, you know, documentary editing or drama editing, um, to, to, you know, the filmmaking community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you ran to be president, kind of like a Screen Actors Guild president would, is that correct? Or is it a different process? Yeah. You know, we have our elections every two years. And, um, mm-hmm. as I was approaching my first two years, the outgoing president, uh, you know, mentioned that was going to be his last term. Because he he had he was one of the founders, and the way our our board of directors works, he's probably be on it for for six consecutive years. So he had to step down, hmm. and um, he suggested that you know that I run for the position and that he would support me in it. And um, you know, it felt like a very big responsibility. I'd, I had never done anything like that before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was a little nervous, but I thought you know, sometimes when things make me nervous, it, it's a sign to me that maybe I should be doing that, hmm. you know, cause I got to kind of push past my comfort zone a little bit. And, uh, that was definitely pushing past my comfort zone, um, which excited me. And, uh, you know, I did find myself having a vision for what I would do with the organization if I was, if I was elected. So, mm-hmm. um, I decided to go for it and, and, um, was elected. And I guess it's been, I'm in my fourth year as president now. My fourth fourth and last. year, really? fourth and last year. Yeah, yeah. What fourth year? I had no idea. <laughs> and <laughs> so, as president of uh, of the editors' union, or I shouldn't say the word union, right? That's, it's not a union. Correct? It's it's a it's a professional association. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a professional association dedicated to promoting the art and science of picture editing in Canada. And what were you doing as the president of this association? Just a, a variety of things. I'm just curious. Uh, it actually there's a lot of there's a lot of um, sort of day to day stuff I need to do. Like I, I work with the treasurer and you know watch our money and see where we're spending. Um, I um, you know liaise with our with the membership. I get mm-hmm. a lot of emails from the membership wanting to talk with me about this or that. Um, is, are there pensions like there would be with ACTRA or with uh, Screen Actors Guild? Does that exist? Or No, we're not a guild. Now, okay. like the, the CC is 10 years old. Oh. And, um, you know, I really, my first point of business my, for me, when I, when I decided to run for this role, I, um, I, I noticed that it was only editors from, from Toronto and Vancouver who were in the organization. And I'm a big fan of Quebecois film and mm-hmm. Quebec, Quebecois culture and productions and I thought I bet you those guys are going to want to come on board at some point so I actually put myself in French school and I've been learning to speak French for the past three years because I I did this in anticipation that um, we were going to have to turn this into a bilingual organization 
Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so, uh, certainly uh, I was I was right. You know, I, about one year into uh, me being president, uh, we were approached by Quebec editors, and um, and there was an interest there. And and right now we are in the process of making the CC bilingual, and we have mm-hmm. uh, fifteen members now in in Montreal. Oh, nice! And um, yeah, and so, some of the some of our country's top editors. Uh, one of the things we do is. The CC gives out um, initials, so you're mm-hmm. you, you're known as a, a full member, which is like an, an accredited member. And uh, every year, there's a, a secret jury of full members who decide who are going to be the next full members of that for mm-hmm. that year. And then once you are a full member, you can use the initials CCE after your name in, in the credits. Oh. Kind of like what you would see with uh, the cinematographers, where it says CSC or yes. Or in the States, you would see an editor. It says A-C-E. Yes, yes. Yeah. That so. makes sense. I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't like that before. And I'm actually surprised that they overlooked Quebec, especially with the amount of film work that they have contributed, not only to Canada, but to the world and to the States, who are usually nominated yearly with the, in the Academy Awards. And and you brought it to their attention. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of set the stage to be ready for, for some interest on their part. I Like I... I wouldn't say Quebec was overlooked. Um, there were efforts by the 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 first two, the the first president and and the the first co-presidents, Paul Weinstock and Paul Day. They they were actually liaising with Quebec editors and and seeing if they wanted to be a part of. And um, at that point in Montreal, I understand they were trying to form another organization, which never really quite materialized. And um, and mm. and and there was in fact interest by by some of the some of the more senior editors there to be a part of the CCE and um, and they and that's who I was contacted by, mm. um, letting me okay. know that. So it was it was nice to hear from the Montreal editors and um, they were quite active in in coming here. Um, one thing I, I I did have to do um, <clears throat> because they they kind of had a little meeting. We we sent our former president down to Montreal to meet with them. And they took him out and uh, for for drinks, and they, and they mm-hmm. got him really drunk. They all got really <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Apparently, they had a wild night on the town. But it's a great um, place to have a wild night, Montreal. Yeah, yeah. But they said to him, they said, uh, they said, you know, what would really sell it for us would be if you guys had a French language award, because um, we have our awards ceremony every year in Toronto. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it's seven years running. Um, we it's a it's a, a big gala we have it every year. Huh. And uh, they they said, you know, these things are always done in English, and da da da. You know, if your if your president got up on stage and said some words in French, then we would know you guys were serious about wanting us to be a part of. And um, they actually sent somebody. We invited, we hooked up and invited one of them to to come to our awards. And I did get up on stage and and say in French mm-hmm. that we wanted them to be a part of our organization. And I and I think that went a long way. I think it's great. It's nice that you did that. It's the right thing to do to reach out to them. I mean, it's it's it should be very inclusive throughout the entire country. Yeah, good job. And that's actually where we're. That's actually where we're at now. We, um, like I said before, it was Toronto and Vancouver. We actually have members in um, Halifax now. We have quite a few editors there in Halifax and in Montreal and in Edmonton. And we just at our annual general meeting um, passed an amendment to our bylaws, basically stating that uh, we're going to guarantee a seat uh, for each region of the country 
on the board of directors at all times and <laughs> and we've really made it officially a a fully canadian organization now wow so it's, i think it's a long time coming kelly it should have happened years ago but i'm glad you've kind of pushed the envelope on uh, on uh, on the situation mm. good on you and why is it your final yeah. year as a president uh, well, as I mentioned before, we're only allowed to hold a, a total of six consecutive years on the board. Oh, on so the board. So I'll, I'll be okay. approaching my my sixth year. Plus, you know, to be honest, it's it's it, it really is a lot of work um, on my part, and mm -hmm. I and I'm 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 gonna do a a big a nice big push for this final year to do what I got to do, and then I, I think it's time for me to pass the baton to somebody and uh, set them running. Okay. So while yeah. you're doing that, Kelly, are you also <clears throat> working on films or TV shows or is, is this mm. basically taken up? Is this a full-time job? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a working editor. I, I'm, um, I'm very busy. I, um, uh, yeah, I work full-time throughout the year and I'm president of the CC. This is something I do, um, you know, evenings, weekends. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a, you know, it's not just me. There's, um, I mean, our entire board of directors, there's, uh, there's nine of us right now. We're all mm. busy working editors. Um, you know, like uh, some of our editors are, are, we have some great people on the board. You know, there's, uh, for example, Stephen Phillips, and he's, uh, he's our treasurer. He's in LA now. He's, he's uh, one of the editors from, uh, from Hannibal. And mm -hmm. uh, he was just recently editing American Gods. Hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's working on some, some really great shows and, and those are the kinds of editors. Um, and then we also have Jonathan Dowler. He's, uh, big in the reality TV scene in, in Toronto, does like big brother, amazing race, um, oh. those kinds of shows. And, you know, so we get a real, a real breadth of, uh, people on the board. Okay. And me, I, I do a lot of what, what's called uh, docu series, which is a little bit different than reality TV. Um, you know, my one of my current gigs is I'm um, a finishing editor on uh, Highway Through Hell, which is a Discovery Channel series, uh -huh. a very popular one. It's just going into its seventh series, right? Seventh season right now, and um, um, seventh probably the biggest season. Wow, season seven. Yeah, we just got renewed for season season seven, and uh, this show is like immensely popular around the world. Uh, people just love it, and it's it's a show about these these tow truck drivers. They drive these huge tow trucks known as heavy wreckers and uh what they do is um you know in the mountain highways here uh mm -hmm. in bc the roads can get really quite dangerous and there's one road it's it's basically a freeway through the mountains called the Coquihalla, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of wrecks on that road and around that road you know all winter yeah. long you get sem semis going off and it's mangled pieces of metal and uh and then our guys come out and clean up the wreck and um and it's quite amazing what they do and they're they're amazing tv characters these guys they're they welcome the crews into the into the cab of their trucks and huh. um they they just cooperate like you would not believe and uh make great interviews and and they're just such raw real guys um, wow yeah yeah and and the recoveries they do are amazing and our camera crews basically wait around the clock 24 hours a day in a, in a town called hope which mm -hmm. is where the coca begins they wait in hope and uh, they wait for accidents to happen and then they rush out there whatever time of the night or day and uh they're you know setting up gopros and uh you know two or three cameras shoot uh drones 
Uh, they got their sound person out there miking everybody. I mean, the production value is so high. And as, as an editor, it's just a real dream to edit this kind of docuseries. Wow. I'm surprised that the production value is so high. They actually have that much money to have a couple of cameras and drones and, of course, producers and script supervisors and, and yourself as an editor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got a, I don't know what the budget is, but they got some money. I mean, I think it's Discovery Canada's uh, top show. Hmm. And, I had um, no idea. Go figure. Yeah, it's just good. Yeah, it's their top show. And uh, I mean, don't quote me on that, but I, I really believe it is. Um, I'm probably right. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, you can quote me on that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's Discovery Channel's top show. Um, if not, it's fact, second they two or series. They, yeah, no, no, they actually, they loved it so much. They gave um, the production company a second series called uh, Heavy Rescue 401. Oh, that one um, I did hear of. I didn't hear of, of, of yours, but yeah. I did hear that. It was advertised here. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that takes place in Toronto. So they're they're yes. both being done done here in Vancouver by the the same oh. company and the same people. Wow, fascinating! Who would have thought? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So that's called a yeah. docu series. Docu series, which is different than reality TV. Um, okay. I mean, so like a, it's a documentary, with, with a, but it's in a series form. You're you're following these characters, but it's it is they're they're real people, and it's a documentary basically. Yeah, that's what's the difference between docu series and reality TV. Um, there's a few differences. One one of the differences is uh, with reality TV, you're dealing with the producers will set up the situation, mm-hmm. whereas in docu series, the producers don't set up the situation. The situation they they respond to the situation, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't influence what's happening. I see. They follow through. Uh, that's right. Well, they they film it like a documentary. Yeah. Um, Very some other differences. I mean, um, you know, we really try to stick to the truth in in terms of how we present our stories. Mm-hmm. In reality TV, there's it's a bit of a misnomer, but in reality TV, reality TV is definitely more on the entertainment side of things. So yes. you may be watching fact, you may be watching fiction. It's kind of hard to know, but it is entertainment and yes you know audiences love it and the whole point is you know you're watching a fun show and most of it's real mm-hmm. um but yeah in the editing they're they're you know they'll twist it this way and twist it that way for the benefit of uh entertainment know, episode yeah. yeah yeah but with um with the docuseries we really try not to do that um i'm not going to say that it doesn't happen and um as an editor i've worked on a lot of shows and um you know, sometimes you do just have to, I hate to say it, but sometimes you do have to reorganize how you're presenting stuff a little bit mm-hmm. yeah, for but the that benefit makes sense. of the story. Yes, of course. Yeah. It has to have a flow, whether it's a 22-minute show or a 45-minute show. It's it's a docuseries, but it does have to have mm-hmm. a flow versus, you know, bouncing back and forth. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense to me. Kelly, you've worked on, for example, the, the uh, docu-series, you've worked on comedies, you've worked on dramas, you've worked on reality yeah. shows, you've worked on nature films. How does that differ for you? Like, how, how do you get hired to do such a variety of work? Who who brings you on to that? I mean, do you, does it work through an agency or is it you who connects himself to the subject to producers like how do you think about how do you feel about editing a a comedy show like the canadian air farce uh that you did versus what you're doing currently yeah you know i um 
To be honest with you, most of my experience is in uh, documentary and docu docu series. That's mm -hmm. that's where I get most of my work. And um, Air Force, um, that was a great little gig I had. I, I wasn't there long. Um, I was I was basically subbing in for for their editor who was on holiday. Mm -hmm. But I knew the producer, and he just and I was we were both working in the building together. I was I was editing the Fifth Estate at the time, which is wow. very very serious investigative journalism show yes and he was like hey do you want to come edit air farce when you're done there and i was like yeah you know totally and uh um hmm. you know it's one of these things producers kind of pigeonhole editors and it makes editors crazy okay um because really if it's if you can edit documentary if you could edit docuseries or reality tv that stuff's very hard to edit because mm -hmm. there's no story there's no script um, to jump from that to comedy and drama, there, there is, you do need to learn, there is a learning curve there. There are things you need to learn. And, and I think any editor would benefit from, you know, crossing genres mm -hmm. um, just to, to kind of dial up their, the quality of their editing because you're, you're going to learn something different in drama. And, uh, like a different way to present something in drama than you would in doc. But just to answer your your initial question, um, which was, uh, how do you, how do I get these gigs? I think. Yeah. How do you get these gigs and how do you put your mind into it? Like to edit a comedy versus a drama versus a, a journalism show like the fifth estate, which you were on for years. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would love to edit more comedy. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> I think the air force was, was my, my sort of my one, my one experience with it. And, um, it was fun. I mean, I had um, I had those comedians coming into my edit suite, um, and, and basically they, they would come in and bug me and try to get me to laugh. Like, uh, could you imagine that? Like, no. You know, these are these are comedians from TV, like really funny people, and uh, they were coming into my edit suite trying to make me laugh, and they would, and it was uh, it was just so much fun. You know, I I was like, wow, you know, I don't want to go back to the Fifth Estate now. I just, those, you guys are so serious down there. I want to stay here at Air Force. Yeah. Um, but I think I actually moved out to uh, to Vancouver shortly after that to 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 cut a docu series about um, it was a docu series for for Discovery Channel about fighter pilot trainees hmm. going through the program to become Canadian fighter pilots. So it was a series called Jetstream, which um, fantastic I series. I, I I love that series. Probably one of the best series I've ever worked on. It was a eight eight part series. Uh, it's just the kind of quality material you know, you don't usually get uh, but the air force gave hmm. the production company full access to these to these uh air force pilot trainees and the air force pilots uh the, the majors and the commanding officers all of them hmm. and on a show like that kelly is it just yourself or do you have one or two other editors working together it's a team it is a team it's a team yeah um often the way they they with a lot of these series they'll organize it it's a tag teamish kind of or well, are there two or three of you guys together doing yeah. segments of the show sometimes they'll do um they'll have uh some series they'll have several editors who uh get a few shows each like the the series i'm on right now there's mm. there's four of us actually i think there'll have been five editors in total to cut um maybe 12 episodes oh. 13 episodes but some series they'll hire they'll have one editor who's known as like a finishing editor or a lead editor um we'll, we'll be doing all the fine cuts um 
they'll they'll maybe do the first couple of episodes to establish the style of the series, mm-hmm. and then they'll bring in other editors to do um, the rough cuts. Okay. And then they deliver the rough cut to the finishing editor um, or, or the lead editor who then works with the the showrunner or the, the series producer to then fine cut and, and lock picture on it and, okay. and give a uniformity of, of style to the whole series. Kind of like directors kind of do that on sitcoms. I mean, not on sitcoms, but on regular TV series, whether they're a drama or a, or a comedy that would have an establishing director, kind of set the stage of what's going to happen, do a couple of episodes, and then they bring in other directors on a, on a weekly or monthly level. They'd come in and do a show every two or three weeks. So sometimes that would happen to you. So if you have, a, you have 12 series or 12 shows, you may edit four shows and someone else is going to do another four and someone else will do another three or four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on how they, they set up the series. Like on Highway Through Hell, uh, there's two of us who are actually, I think next season there'll be three of us who are, who are finishing editors. Um, and, and I think, and, and then there's also maybe another four rough cut editors. And then they have uh, sort of junior editors as well. Hmm. Um, and then they have assistant editors. So they, it's like a, it's a full team. It's like, wow. um, a bit of a pyramid structure. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And what about something like on, on the fifth estate when you were on that for several years, that very serious journalism show. Yeah. Um, it's a great show. Uh, how did that work? I mean, did you also have a couple of editors on that? On the fifth estate? Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there, I think there was about four of us oh, okay. for the season. Yeah, there was four editors. And uh, yeah, I mean, you get assigned your story and you would work with the, the producer director mm-hmm. uh, to get it done. So if, and you know, with sort of varying varying lengths of time that they would give us depending on what the air date was. Uh, you know, I did one one story there that I think I was on for, for four months once. It was um, It was like a feature length, one and a half hour long documentary called um called run for your life um about these honduran refugee well i wouldn't say they were refugees but these these honduran young honduran men who wanted to leave honduras and get to either the u.s or canada by riding these freight trains through mexico hmm. illegally fascinating story wow. and um they uh, we spent about four months editing that one um and that one did very well. It it was nominated for, I think, four Gemini Awards, and um, and then other stories there. You you would um, like during the Gulf War, or not the Gulf War, but um, Operation uh, what was it, Desert Storm, mm-hmm. the one the one after nine eleven. Yes, um, right around that period. Yeah, right around that period. I was working at the Fifth Estate when. Um, when the the twin towers got hit i was i was at the cbc that day and uh somebody i'd heard something on the radio and i got to my edit suite and i patched it in and i was kind of watching this feed and uh you know i and i saw it all going down um at the cbc building that day uh mm-hmm. it's quite the thing everybody was watching it down on the big monitor in the atrium as the buildings went down and there's this <laughs> kind of gasp of horror from everybody uh when that was happening yeah. Um, shortly after that, like our, our first stories were about the Gulf War, or not the Gulf War, sorry, about um, the upcoming, you know, Operation Desert Storm and 
what Tony Blair and George Bush were going to do uh, mm-hmm. with Saddam Hussein and and you know the Kurds and the focus really became uh, on that conflict and at that time our stories were having to to get done very quickly and um you know you realize in those moments just the quality of the people that you're working with i mean you know working at the fifth estate you're working with really the top investigative yes. journalism producer directors in canada mm-hmm. really the top the cream of the crop and and these guys are and and the associate producers and the researchers and the camera the camera the, the cinematographers everybody working on that series are are really great and um you know, we, we would turn around those stories really quick and, and the host, the writer hosts, you know, would mm-hmm. just write some amazing script to go with it. And, and uh, um, some of those shows, I mean, um, I think when I first started at the fifth, uh, I, I was editing one story that was already going to air. It was already going to air mm-hmm. and, and they, they, they were waiting for the key interview to come in. It was a story about police corruption in Toronto. Uh-huh. Uh, well, not police corruption, but it was about the police union, and they had this, they had a police union boss named Craig Bramell, and and the story was called Bully, and 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 it was a story about Craig Bramell and how he was just you know getting things done, fast tracking things, I you see. know, applying pressure in the right ways, you know, and huh. I think he kind of intimidated some the police chiefs. Uh, deputy anyways we're waiting for this interview to come in and and uh the show was already going to air Mm -hmm. as we were cutting the last scene that we had to insert uh into the show it it was crazy i mean if if we didn't get this thing cut it was gonna be be black on air wow it's already being fed to newfoundland yeah huh yeah so we would be up like all night sometimes working on that show Kind of like comedy writers are in LA they're up all night at least to have the script first thing (laughs) in the morning for the you know revised you know scripts many times they they change them on the spot but ah. this is a documentary i mean this is the fifth estate so it's uh yeah you know it's, it's a great journalism show that we can edit <laughs> yeah um i love that show i actually watch it as often ah. as i possibly can when i'm in uh um, right and and i'm yeah I'm, it's it's a great show how, how's the mood in there? Is it always serious to be an editor? Does it get lonely? Do you guys joke around in between things? Or is it taboo to joke around? Because most of the subjects on a show like that are very serious. And uh, <laughs> is it, you know, I mean, is it very stuffy? I, I can't even imagine. Is there conversation? Do you guys drink coffee all day? Yeah, I think there's two levels of conversation. There's the one that goes on in the edit suite when the boss isn't around. And then there's the one that Okay. It's, we switch to when they open the door and say, "Hey guys, how's it going?" Okay. <laughs> it's a locker room versus no locker room. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, it it it, it really varies. It, so much of it depends on the show. Uh, depends on like you really you get different situations. Like I'm on a, a series right now called Wild Bear Rescue hmm. um, over at a company called OmniFilm here in Vancouver, and they actually put us in um, a communal edit suite, which is really nice. There's there's three of us in there um, uh, editing together. So every once in a while we can like you know joke around or talk about this or that or uh, we just edit with our with our earphones in so we don't bother each other. And uh, huh, okay. it's it's a real improvement from I'm mm. actually really loving this. You know, all these years I've been in this room by myself or you know <laughs> that's what I wanted I'm to ask you. I mean, wasn't it yeah. lonely all these years? Like it can you know be. it's like being a writer in a room for hours on end and just kind of like 
you know, rehashing your thoughts on these stories. And as an editor, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I always have this picture of some dark room, some, you know, mm. sappy old coffee and kind of going through the motions of how you're going to cut this thing to make it look brilliant. I mean, it can be like that. It, like I said, it, it really depends on the gig. Um, I love working on series just because there's more people around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to get into the office in the morning and, you know, see 30 people there and, you know, just chit chat. And, you know, we all have our edit suites down in a, in the edit suite area and you run into people in the halls and people are coming in and out all the time of the room. Yeah. Um, I, I like that, you know, but I work on other shows. Uh, like I'll, I'll get like, you know, what's called a one-off documentary. I'll work on a one-off. And um, it does become a lot of time alone. Uh, I did a couple last winter, um, you know, sort of working out a combination of home and uh, an edit suite that I was, that I had booked uh, downtown. And um, yeah, you know, days kind of blend into each other. Um, Mm -hmm. You you know, you're just, you're in that creative zone and it's the dark season and, uh, you know, it's, it's dark when you wake up, it's dark when you leave, Uh, you're in a, in a, you know, hopefully you have a window in your edit suite so you can at least get a sense of the day going by, even though you've closed the blinds because uh, you don't want the glare on the monitors. You know, it's uh, wow. See, I don't uh, know how you're you in do that creative. That. It's, you're in that creative space, right? It's like it's like I painting. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Like a, you, you kind of lose track of the fact that you're alone because you're you're telling this story, and and at least for me, I, I get so involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the time goes by very fast. Um, but Kelly, how much input does the uh, director or the creative producer have? And do they sometimes come into the room? Um, do they collaborate at times? Do they spend a few hours there ever? Or do you edit it the way you feel you should edit it and then hand it over to the director or to the producer? Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, again, it is it is so fluid. And that's a, that's a very interesting question because... I'm only relating this very quickly yeah. because in the film world, people like Martin Scorsese, for example, and he has his editor. Uh, yeah. And so he would go in as well and and collaborate with his editors right? often and for long periods of time. And so I'm asking, because it's a docu-series or because it's a, it's a fluffy little comedy or reality mm-hmm. show, do those people get involved or is it just the editor? They're involved, you know, like, again, it really, it depends on, um, there's a lot of factors. I mean, I, some was, I've been told, uh, that, that some editors you have to sit with and, 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 you know, they like a lot of direction you mm-hmm. know, for me. I need, um, I'd like to have a lot of space where I can do my thing and then call the director in and say, I need you to look at this and then show it to them. And then they give me some notes we, you know, we watch it together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's collaborative. I mean, it's one of those things. I, I don't generally sit in the edit suite with somebody behind me. In fact, I never do. Okay. Um, um, as we approach, you know, our rough cut or our fine cut or our picture lock, I might spend, a, you know, a day here or a day there working with the director a little bit more closely. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, I'm, I'm doing the editing and uh, I just prefer they give me notes. Um, you know, we'll watch the show together and they give me notes and then I, 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 I make the changes and, 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 and incorporate my own notes into it as well. Okay. Um, uh, now again, I mostly work in documentaries, so I can't really comment. Do you prefer documentaries? You prefer a docu-series, comedies? If you had your choice, um, not that you don't like all of them and you do them all, but what would you rather do? 
well, you know, at this point in my career, I would love to edit some drama. And, oh. um, and, and I'm actually, you know, working on um, uh, making some moves in that direction right now. I, I, I have done some in the past and uh, it, it's a whole lot of fun. It's a different, um, it's a different approach, you know, like a documentary, you're figuring out the story and figuring it out and figuring it out and, and trying to make it look good at the same time. Whereas with a, with a drama, you can get right into, you know, the editing, like the craft of, of, you know, pulling out the emotion and you know sort of the art of editing is is you have a lot more time to to work on that element okay whereas in documentary it's it's a lot of storytelling and and then at the end you dress it up and as fast as you can speaking of dressing up is that uh is that when the um i'm gonna say is the sound mixer or the sound editor comes in and starts to add music that do they have people who are composing music on these donkey yeah. series or is it yeah yeah fixed music from somewhere else uh, no, we um, usually work with composers on on most of the documentaries and docu series. Uh, I do. We we do work with composers. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. Often, I'll sometimes I'll need to bring in um, like a temp track. So I'll I'll you know I'll go get some Hollywood movie scores that I love. I have a, a collection of them um, that I that I'll work in as temp track. Mm-hmm. Uh, for inspiration for the for the composer so they can follow like kind of the peaks and valleys um the kind of musical editorializing that we did oh, okay prior to that prior to them composing and believe it or not one of the biggest one of the areas where we spend some of the most most of our time is uh music selection so many of our notes are um about changing tracks and and trying to trying to get the temp track really dialed in because we want the composer to kind of have a clear idea Hmm. now some composers might just strip that away and come up with something new and is this for docuseries or is this for dramas or is it for pretty much across the board i can really comment i can really comment mostly in the documentary world uh okay but again, once we've spent three months kind of spotting, if we're like, you know, like coming up with a temp score that the composer can be inspired by, generally we want something that is at least going to kind of be like that. It doesn't have to be an exact copy, but um, it should definitely inspire where we want the rhythm to change, where we want the mood to change, what we need to mo- the mood to be like in a certain section. Okay. Um, if we need it to be slow paced or fast paced, uh, the kind of instrumentation. Um, so it kind of works like that. I mean, we really do do a lot of that in the edit. Um, and then again, give it to the composer who may do something, they may do something different, um, uh, but usually it'll f- kind of fit in with the rhythm of what we gave them. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, it'll come back to me sometimes. Um, I'll get the music back from them. Sometimes there's a little bit of a back and forth um, where I'll be working with a composer, sending them my cut, mm-hmm. um, saying, what do you think of this? And then they'll compose something and then they'll send it back and I'll work it in. So, yeah, actually, um, I, you know, I have good relationships. I, there's a few composers that I, I really like to work with and um, and and will recommend them to to producers and directors when they're looking. Okay. Um, because I like their work. Do you guys have agents? People have agents in the States. If you're a wardrobe, if you're hair, if you're makeup yeah, in the yeah. States, cinematographers do. Um, do editors <clears throat> have agents, any, any representation to get them work, or is it all word of mouth and you know, personal solicitation? In certain areas, yes. I would say oh, I've, noticed that, I've noticed that in Toronto, um, it, it's quite big. Okay. I think at a certain level, you'll be working with agents here. Um, at a certain level, you're not. Okay. 
And uh, definitely in the documentary world, um, I would say it's word of mouth. It's all word of mouth. I mean, you asked me earlier how I get my gigs. Yeah. Um, it, like it's really almost, uh, I would say about uh, 2% solicitation and 98% um, so-and-so recommended you to me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really how it works. I would never think that that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. Wow. Uh, I've done very, I mean, I've solicited myself. Um, at the, <laughs> I know what like that an sounds actor. like. No, but I mean, like an actor, <laughs> you're putting yourself out there as much as you can, yeah. but you also have representation as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. But as an editor, I, I didn't realize it was such a close knit market. That's, uh, you know, you, it's, everybody's like, you know, you have to know one definitely, another. Definitely on the factual side of things, um, it's so much of it's word of mouth. A lot of it's editors recommending, we recommend each other. Okay. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, you know, I'll, I'll recommend my friends, they'll recommend me. Uh, we we kind of, if you can't take a gig and somebody calls you for it, you'll, you'll recommend that friend of yours who recommends you for gigs. Wow. You know, it's a, a bit of a, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine scenario. Wow. And um, but also you want to be able to recommend somebody who you think is a good editor. So like I, I have, you know, a core group of people who whose work that I admire, mm-hmm. who inspire me. And when I get a chance that I can recommend them to a gig, uh, I'll, I'll do so. Um, and also it's also recommendations from other, you know, you get a lot of recommendations from um, directors. I get recommendations from directors that I've worked with or producers mm-hmm. that I've worked with. I have a lot of producers who will will call me again and again to work on their shows um, and production companies that I've worked for who call me over and over to work on series for them. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Kelly, you've been at this about 30 years, right? In 30 years you've been working, Not, um, no, less? 20, yeah, professionally, I'd say about 25 years, yeah. So professionally, 25 years, but you went to school. You wanted to be an editor when, when you were going to school. Is that correct? And your first film was in El Salvador. It's your first Yeah, I guess I, I guess I cut that. Um, that was kind of approaching 30 years ago. That was 1988. It's about 30 years. Yeah, yeah that's when I was at SFU. I, um, that was, yeah, that was my first. That was kind of one of my first mm-hmm. filmmaking experiences. Um, that was probably, yeah, that was, that was right up there, actually. I... Um, I was actually president of, this is my other thing I was president of, I was president of the photography club at, at SFU, at Simon Fraser University, and oh. we, had our, we had our clubs day, and uh, I had these people approach me, and they had, um, they had a club called uh, SFU El Salvador Student Alliance, and they wondered if I would come down to El Salvador, and this was during the war in 88, um, oh. the war in the 80s, and they wanted to do a documentary about students basically disappearing um and being murdered and tortured um for their political beliefs Hmm. and um and i I thought yeah that sounds like a great idea (laughs) and you went out yeah when when are we going you know and i i I, um and what about danger and what does your parents think and there you are and (laughs) you're gonna be this i don't think i I don't i don't think i yeah i don't think i asked my um i I don't think i got i asked my mom about that one I, i think i might have just gone down there without uh Oh, telling her what I was doing. <laughs> Did you always? But, um, so how? Da- I'm sure that that was pretty dangerous for yourself as well. No, I mean it was in, dangerous. Yes, you were there for a few weeks. Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. It was dangerous. Um, you know, I think I think for me that was my 
only time I'd actually gone into like a, a real war zone, um, a, a guerrilla, an urban war zone too. Hmm. Um, first night that we arrived down there, um, a bomb exploded at the university uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, I'd never heard a bomb go off before. Freaking loud, man. Wow. Like, holy shit. Like I was lying in bed and I woke up out of my bed and I had a roommate, um, an American guy. Um, I woke up out of bed and he was down between the two beds in like, you know, duck and cover position. I mean, he was huddled down there and, uh, I, I, I didn't, I, I just was like, Oh man, that's a bomb. That was loud. And we went and checked out the damage in the morning and I think it might've been just sort of a little, we were down there for this union conference. So all these people had come from different countries, um, to this conference, Mm -hmm. basically people who were organizing unions down there were being labeled communists. Oh. And um, it was it was just, you know, I don't know that they were communists or, or what, but for me, it wasn't really an excuse to go around killing people. But, you know, whatever the uh, the, the, the 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 rulers, um, whoever was running the country at that time um, were, were threatened by them, I guess. You know, hmm. they didn't want uh, any sort of unionization or workers rights or whatever. So, I mean, it was a it was a funny scene and we were we were um, followed by this guy. Uh, he would show up everywhere we went. This American guy would be like, hey, guys, how's it going? And uh, <laughs> like we'd be down at a protest and be like, hey, where do you guys come from? Where, where, where you guys, what are you guys doing today? And he'd sort of be asking these questions. And, um, you know, I knew for sure that this guy was a spy. And um, I actually went and asked about them. And they said uh, with some of the Salvadorians and they're like, oh, don't talk to him. That's the gringo. He, uh, <laughs> he, he got my friend disappeared and he got so-and-so disappeared. And uh, after, you know, wow. he was the guy down there turning people in. And yeah, he was following us everywhere. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. as much yeah, as he, he could. Was, he, he was he was CIA or something. Very strange. So um, I guess you couldn't wait to get out of there. It was a little intense. You know, I had this box of tapes. Um, people really put their lives on the line, uh, letting us interview them. And then I had to leave the country. This was before the internet. You couldn't just upload. Mm -hmm. I actually had to physically leave the country with a a box of 30 tapes. With these interviews, I think if the authorities had taken my tapes, these people would have gone to jail and probably been tortured and and killed or something. Hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, I remember waiting at the airport. And uh, I mean, they've been following us the whole time. They must have just let us leave with the tapes, but it was tense. You know, I was waiting in line uh, to get my boarding pass and uh, some some guy, an, a, a military guy comes walking down the, the line of passengers with his machine gun and, you know, sticks the, the muzzle of his machine gun in the suitcase of the person in front of me and says, you know, open it. You know, and the person opens it and he looks at me. Wow. And he goes to the person behind me and he sticks the muzzle of his machine gun in the suitcase and says, open it. Jesus. And the guy opens it. And he's looking at me the whole time. And like my suitcase has all these tapes in it. <laughs> thinking, and, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just playing so cool. Like, you know, and, uh, and then he, yeah, he just walked on down the line and I got my boarding pass and uh, got on that plane and just wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Wow. Kelly, did you ever want to... Like you've been working in Canada these 25 plus odd years. Have you worked in the States um, or have you wanted to cross the borders and work in the States like some of your colleagues have? And or are you content? And is there enough work for editors to be working in Canada? Is it a career path for other younger people who want to be editors in this country? Um, you know, I would I would love to work in the States. Um, you know, I, I would love to work in New York or, or work in Los Angeles. 
you know, I, I mean, I see the work coming out of there and it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's inspirational. You know, I, I, I love American TV. Uh, they're really, they're masters, mm-hmm. uh, really the masters of the craft. They really are. And, uh, they really are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I, you know, I stay in Canada. I stay in Canada because Canada's my home. Um, you know, moving to the States would be a big life-changing move for me. I'm, I'm not sure that I would do it for career. Um, okay. But, you know, I never say never. Uh, in my life, I've had a lot of phases. You know, I, I grew up in Vancouver. I had a decade in Toronto. I've had a decade in Vancouver. I wouldn't say no to uh, the possibility maybe of, of, of moving to Los Angeles. Um, but one thing I can say is that uh, it, it is a very competitive industry. And um, one of the things as an editor uh, that you really need to do is get established. And mm-hmm. it is one of the most challenging things as an editor to do is get established in a town. And um, every town you go to, there's going to be some roadblocks to, to getting established. Doesn't matter how shit hot you are. You mm-hmm. could be like the best. You could be the, you know, the favorite editor in Toronto and move to Vancouver. And it's a bit of a get to the back of the line scenario because... There's a lot of people who've already been here establishing their careers and establishing their connections. Mm-hmm. Very valid. You know, they, they've, they've invested uh, into the industry here. And uh, I know in Vancouver, maybe it's a Vancouver thing, but I know they, they do really, um, there is a certain amount of loyalty here towards the people of the industry. Uh, I know in Halifax, it's the same way. Do you think it's the same way in Los so, Angeles or New York? Do you think it's about... Well, I, or, I, 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 I know for a fact that in Los Angeles and New York, um, for example, if you're a drama editor, mm-hmm. I, I know some of our members in the CCE go down to Los Angeles. I know, I know of Canadian editors who go down there and uh, it's very difficult. There's a lot of roadblocks with the union uh, down there against Canadian editors. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, at the CCE right now, one of our members, um, has just, or some of our members have just put together a, a report. <laughs> um, they just spent a year doing a survey and doing research on how difficult it is for a Canadian editor to move to Los Angeles and, and edit compared to a Canadian director or any other Canadian talent, hmm. uh, any other Cana- Canadian key creative in the film industry, many of them have a much easier time um, to work in, in outside their <clears throat> jurisdiction, whereas with the editing, uh, it's actually very difficult. And I know in Los Angeles, there's like a roster system and then there's the union and you got to go through multiple layers before you can even get on the list there. Um, and then from what I understand, uh, there is, you know, bias against you if you're a Canadian editor, cause you're coming down to, to take their jobs. Um, it doesn't necessarily work so much coming in this direction. I mean, American editors are welcomed into Canada and, and there's very few roadblocks, uh, by our unions here, uh, to allowing them to come to work here on a show. And, and they do uh, often, do they not? They're brought in by the producers and directors? They are. And, um, you know, uh, I think at the CC right now, like I said, we have this report and uh, we're, we're, you know, going to use it to exert a little bit of pressure on um, the producers here, the on the on the unions here, on the powers that be here, on the, the government, whatever, just to say, hey, one of the things that the CCE, you know, we're getting political and, um, you know, we do want to exert some pressure on the Canadian powers that be to either say, hey, Americans, either you let us in there or, you know, you guys got to play by the same rules that we got to play by down there. 
but they either open it up, either open it up and um, and make it easy for for the creativity to flow and people for for people to hire the talent they want to hire, uh, regardless of uh, where they come from, or you know make it all about um, job protection, you know. Um, but do you think that that's realistic? I mean, Kelly, many times, I mean, actors have the same dilemma and cinematographers and so forth. I mean, usually they just, they do whatever they want to do because they're bringing the money into Canada. Yeah. I mean, with any battle, I mean, the, the, the point is to fight the battle, whether you win or not. Um, I think the, the point is to, to bring attention to this, whether we win or lose. Uh, I think it's, it's good to have that dialogue and, mm-hmm. uh, at least be talking about it as opposed to doing nothing. You know, even in small gains, small gains are gains. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just, you know, becomes maybe a Canadian editor waits three months less to, to get on a gig in, uh, in LA. You know, another thing that's kind of difficult right here in Canada that a lot of people, it can be quite frustrating for editors. Like if I wanted to come to Toronto, for example, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a BC resident and um, a lot of Toronto productions, um, it's, it's difficult for them to justify hiring me, um, or not just me, like any any BC. If they resident. wanted to, if they wanted to bring a Vancouver resident to Toronto or a Toronto resident to Vancouver, uh, they lose their tax credits on that key creative position, hmm. and there's no sort of system that allows um, for for editors to edit outside their jurisdiction within our within our own country. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, they'll do it. Uh, you know, if they need, uh, you know, I've had gigs where I've um, gone to, I was in Winnipeg, for example, for a year. They, they flew, flew me out there and they, they flew in a bunch of people from outside of town to work on a series. I mean, it, it does happen if, if the production company, you know, can justify it somehow that they, they, they want to have that. Hmm. Okay. That yeah, but for the most part, no. You you um you file your taxes in BC. You work in B, in BC. Okay. You file your taxes in Toronto. You work in Toronto. There's no, it's not a lot of crossover. Okay, I didn't know that. So Kelly, yeah. what's um what's in store for you when um when you come down from the presidency of the Editors Association? <laughs> uh, a little more free time, or are you going to pick up more oh, projects? Yeah, and... looking forward to that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. You know, I was, uh, I was, uh, I learned to become a ski instructor. You know, I became a ski instructor a couple of years back and, uh, I was really getting into that. Oh. And, uh, then I became president of the CCE and I suddenly, I didn't have time to be a ski instructor anymore. Okay. So, so um, maybe that'll be, know. that'll be your free time versus, uh, <laughs> versus. Yeah, I wouldn't the- mind, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, teaching some weekends up at Whistler, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a little bit of a break. Get a, get outside of the uh, the politics. Yeah, and out of the box. Um, yeah, out of yeah. the dark box. I just always have that vision. Box. A friend of mine is a, an editor on uh, the Kardashians, and you know I get some really funny stories from mm. him. It's just uh, it's painful for him to be on it, but uh, he's doing it. I was just kind of wondering, what yeah. would you would you do something like that? Like if they ask you to do something as as tacky as that show. For somebody who's what a I edit, what I edit, yeah, what I edit that series, yes. Oh, this is like a, this is like one of those controversial questions. Hey, <laughs> well, how do just, I answer this one? <laughs> I don't know because I'm not sure. I mean, he's a pretty serious editor, but sometimes you're in between gigs you and you maybe. take certain jobs because they pay and they just yeah you know, they they pay the mortgage. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, sure, maybe. Why not? 
Okay. That's kind of like what he said. Yeah. I mean, he um, doesn't brag about it, but it's like, it's more of a why not and kind of quiet. I kind of feel like, you know, whatever show you work on, uh, editing is one of those things where you, you can either make it, you can make it whatever you want to make it. You can make it cheesy or you can make it kind of cool. Okay. You know, like if, if you think the Kardashians is cheesy, well, maybe, uh, maybe you can make it kind of cool. Okay. I don't know. That's a good way of thinking. I, I, I never thought about them as cool, but that's, <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I should open up to that. That's, yeah. that's a good call. Well, you can, I mean, you can, it's one of those, I mean, you can mess with things so much in editing, you know, you, you can twist a story this way or that, or you can, yeah, you can, there's a lot of room to play. See, I didn't even know that. that as a former actor and stuff. I, I didn't really think about that much, but uh, yeah. I guess you're right. When you really look at it, you can, you can play with it. You can, um, it's, it's ridiculous what you can do. I mean, uh, you know, you're editing a scene, uh, you're editing a scene and it's somebody in a room and mm -hmm. you think it's sunny outside because, you know, you hear the sound of a dry street and some cars driving by. Well, maybe you wanted it to be in the country somewhere or out in the suburbs and it's raining outside and you, you put the sound of some water pelting on the window and, uh, you know, as, as your character shudders a little bit and you're realizing that, oh, it's raining out there. And, you know, she was responding to that. Yeah. You can totally twist the meaning of a scene in different ways. You know, you can play with audio. You can use audio to, to totally change what you're looking at. Okay. You know, you could, you could cut something fast where you're, you're looking at person A, then person A, B, then person A, then person B, or you can slow it right down and person A says something and then big long pause uh you know the reaction shot of so and so and then so and so and then back to that character's reaction to their reactions you know it's it's you're kind of an, a director did you ever want to move into that uh to that realm of being a, a director or are you content with being an editor because yeah. many editors do become directors yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think uh, I do have aspirations um, beyond editing. You know, I'd love to direct something. Uh, you know, I, I do have a little bit of time coming up, a little bit of time off coming up. And, um, you know, um, I was thinking I was going to use it to develop, um, maybe develop some of my own ideas. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. You know, shoot, direct, uh, write a script, mm -hmm. make a film. Why not? You have all the experience in the world, Kelly. Yeah. So much experience. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's good. I think you should continue expanding, and you're still really young. Uh, Kelly, I want to thank you. Uh, we are on Time's Up on our uh, okay. on the show. Uh, so I want to thank you for coming on the show and shedding some light into the darkroom of, uh, of editing, because I really didn't know much about it. I've only been into a couple of editing rooms uh, two, three times in my lifetime, and they were in Hollywood, your typical big studio stuff. The stuff that uh, I had already worked on, it just it was so intimidating. These huge, huge screens. I had no idea. So thank you for um, letting us I, into your life to let us know about uh, what it's like to be an editor <clears throat> and a working yeah. editor. Uh, one one piece of advice I would give to any actor out there is uh, the person you really want to get in good with is the editor. Okay. <laughs> so not the director, not the producer. The mm -hmm. one who's going to make you look really good at the end of the day is the editor. It's not the cinematographer. They're, they will too, but it's the editor who's really, uh, that's the room you want to be hanging okay. around in if you're if you're just skulking about the production company. I love that last note. I'm definitely going to bring a box of chocolates <laughs> to the next editor who is going to oh, edit yes. me. Box oh, of chocolates. Godiva should. it is. <laughs> Imported from well, the editors. I'll tell you, the, the editors will love you for it. Yeah. I'm a good gift giver as a Greek That's that I good. am, even though you have to beware. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. I mean, I appreciate that. I, re I really wanted to hear some stuff of what it was like to be a you know, what it's like to be an editor. Right. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I mean, I was, I was glad to be able to, um, yeah, just talk. It's, it's nice for me to get on here and, and hear what kind of questions somebody would want to ask about editing. Yeah. People who don't know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a typical consumer, uh, Kelly, who, yeah. I don't know the first thing about editing. I don't know what you guys do and how it works. And do you collaborate with one, two, three, four people? Do yeah. you work with the director? Do you not? Is it all about your editing process? And then just ship it yeah. after the director? I have no clue. Yeah. 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 It's a, it, it really, as an editor, you're, you're an artist. I mean, you better be an artist. You got to be a, a mm -hmm. good artist and a good storyteller. Those are the two things you got to be. You got to know how to make something look good. You mm -hmm. have to have a good sense of rhythm. You got to know how to work with color, work with sound, work with emotion. Um, and, um, you know, you have, you have to have a bit of ego too. You got to, mm -hmm. you got to know who you are, what your style is. And, um, and yeah, and, and a sense of independence. If you want to be a good editor, you got to be able to go into a theater and watch, uh, you know, your favorite Hollywood film and say to yourself, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. And, and, and go and do that on whatever show you're working on, you know, set the bar really high. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it, Kelly. Enjoy your dinner. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks guys. Cheers. All right. Bye. See ya. This concludes our podcast with Kelly Morris, president of the Canadian Cinema Editors Association. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Marco Kira signing off.